Hey guys, welcome to the One Life Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today, and we hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Enjoy the message. I've uh, I've titled today's message, Seeing Our Limits as a Gift. It's a really interesting topic to really talk about because we we tend to, as Christians, think that there's no limits, right? Because our God is limitless. And so when we start to think about my life having limits, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And uh, sometimes we can find ourselves serving in roles or doing certain things that God's never actually called us to. But for the sake of us wanting to, you know, be all that God's called us to be and, and, and to, to step out in faith, sometimes we can find ourselves actually in a lane where God's not called us to be. We can find ourselves with, with weights and burdens on our lives. And, and, and Jesus promised that his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so I, I find that in, in the Christian walk, we can come to a place where there's this paradox of wanting to do more and be better, but, but at the same time feeling like it's a, it's a real struggle and it's a real strain. I don't believe God wants us uh, to be like that in our walk with him. And, uh, and I, I believe that the walk that he has for us is not designed to be burdensome to us. And if we are finding ourselves living uh, uh, with burdens and, and things that are weighing us down in our service for him, then I believe we really need to take stock of what he's actually called us to and what he's called us to carry. Um, so just thinking about Australia Day being a, a few days ago, and we all enjoyed another holiday, yeah? Most of us enjoyed another holiday. I just want to look at a, an Australian uh, by the name of Joseph Furphy. Um, and uh, just thinking about this theme of uh, seeing our, our limits as a gift. And uh, Joseph Furphy was best known for his Furphy carts. Um, if we can just have that next slide. Thanks, Esther. That'd be great. Um, and so these are water carts that were designed uh, by Joseph Furphy. Interestingly enough, they were never patented. He never put a painting on them, uh, but they produced thousands upon thousands of these water carts and they were used in world wars. Uh, a lot of farmers had them on their properties and today you'll see these end plates uh, that are quite popular for people to keep uh, as, as a keepsake, as a feature. Uh, but Joseph Furphy was 1842 to 1920. Um, he was an engineering blacksmith. He was born on the 17th of June. 1842 at Mooney Ponds. Uh, in 1864, he set up a blacksmith in Kyneton and uh, stayed there until 1873 when he moved to newly surveyed township of Shepparton in the Goulburn Valley where he opened the first blacksmith and wheelwright shop. Furphy's most distinctive product was a simple invention which he never patented in a water cart with a 180 gallon, well that's an 880, eight, sorry, 818 litres cylindrical iron tank mounted horizontally on the horse-drawn wooden frame with cast iron wheels. The name Furphy was painted in large capital letters on both sides of the tank. These carts, generally known as Furphys, were ideal for transport of water on farms and an estimated average of 300 were produced annually for about 40 years, so quite a few. They were used in large numbers by the Australian Army in World War I, as mentioned, and drivers of the carts were noted for spreading gossip and in time, Furphy became a synonym for idle rumour. You know, you're telling a Furphy. Anyone ever use that term? Or, um, yep. Uh, however, Joseph Furphy, with his piety and strong sense of duty, he was prominent in Shepparton affairs. And the first religious service in Shepparton was held by the United Free Methodists in his cottage behind the blacksmith shop in 1873. 
in his 35 years of unbroken association with the Methodist Church in Shepparton, and he filled every office open to a layman and was well known as an effective preacher. Uh, we may be familiar with uh, the uh, motto on the ends of those tanks that was good, better, best. Never let it rest till your good is better and your better best. But there's also something really interesting in the middle of the end plate. And you'll see this, what they call Pittman shorthand, which looks like a few squiggles underneath the name Shepparton. And uh, this was intentional by Joseph Furphy uh, with his strong ties to what he thought was right and wrong and uh, best for people's lives. And uh, that shorthand read, Water is the gift of God, but beer and whiskey are concoctions of the devil. Come and have a drink of water. You know, the irony of, of Joseph Furphy's maxim is that around 90 years later, the company that he founded is now actually in partnerships to produce beer. <laughs> And, you know, we see that there's this limit on our lives. And for us mere mortals, obviously the grave is the ultimate limit for us to have any further influence on the face of this earth. And for Joseph Furphy, that was the case as well. But we see limits all around about us. We have speed limits. We have certain job titles. We have things that we do when we're in, in our vocations, in our employment. Uh, you know, a nurse can administer certain drugs, but she's not about to take you in and anesthetize you and actually perform open heart surgery. So there's, there's limits on, and, the, and they are good for us in those circumstances. Um, I, I just want to try to reconcile us finding refreshment in those limits that God has prepared for us and ordained for each one of us. Because I believe that at times there are things that we have absolutely no control over, and it's these things that we must learn to trust to the one who ultimately holds all things. So there's things that happen in life, and, and we have absolutely no control. I have no control that I was born into uh, the Sorbia family and had to wear that name for the rest of my life. And, and, and would often have to ring and, and make a reservation and spell my name phonetically. So people actually get it. See, I had no control over that. I, I have no control over certain decisions that my parents made. And, and for me, you know, being brought to Mudgee, there's certain things that I've just got no control over. And, and the same thing is, is true for your life. There's certain things that happen in your life that, that maybe are, are limits, maybe are boundaries that you've got absolutely no control over. And these things that we need to learn just to trust to God. Because we can look back sometimes, you say, why, why did that have to happen? Why, why did I have to go through that circumstance? Why did, why did my parents do this or that or the other? And you see, there's things that we've just got to be able to give to God and say, you know what, that, that's the end of my limit. I can't do anything more about that. God, I've just got to trust you for those things. See, in Colossians 1.17, uh, it reads there, And he himself existed before all things, and in him all things consist. They cohere, are held together. It's an amazing thing that our, our Savior holds all things together in this world. And so wherever we find ourselves on life's journey, perhaps, you know, it might be in some sort of lay ministry role. Perhaps it's in some vocation. Perhaps it's a stage of life that you're up to and, and the, the kids are growing or you're not yet to have kids or, or whatever it looks like. There's certain things that we've just got to learn to trust God with, but there's also other areas and limits in our lives, personal limits, that we need to be able to trust Him to help us to break through as well. But we need to do it with His help in His time and with his strength and wisdom on it. Learning how to do the new you in Jesus. I've just written this down because 
when we come to Jesus, you know, there was an old life. There was an old way of doing things. And, um, and we find sometimes that we look to the, the culture that, that is in the world that says, you know, you know you've, got to, you've got to break through and you've got to do this and you've got to divide and you've got to conquer and, and you've got to have more toys and, and you've got to dominate. And, and we, can, we can align ourselves to that culture when the kingdom of heaven says, you know, prefer others, you know, uh, walk humbly, um, you know, love those that are difficult to love. And sometimes we can find these, these, these cultures can cross and we get countercultures in our lives and we find it hard to reconcile what it is that God's actually called us to. I just want to refocus us on what God has called us to, and that is to trust in Him and to be refreshed by Him and to see those, those limits that He's placed on our lives as actually a blessing from Him, not something that we need to, uh, you know, get up uptight about and, and get anxious about, but rather embrace that, God, this is the way you made me. And I want to learn what it is to, to walk in, in, in the way that you've made me. And, and, and if you're anything like me, you can be drawn to look to others. And, and that's the way that a person who's in that position or doing that should look. And, and I see myself as here and all the time God's saying, I'm not, I'm not asking you to compare yourself with any other person. I'm asking you to be who I've created you to be and to walk within those limits of what I've given you. It's so liberating to our lives. See, learning how to do the new you in Christ means not only stepping away from the culture of the world, but those who have been saved a while, I'm going to go there, stepping away from the unhealthy cultures we have created in the church. (laughs) Silence. Just let that sink in for a bit. We, in our efforts to be better Christians, uh, can sometimes put unhealthy uh, expectations on ourselves and others. There are expectations that God, Jesus, hasn't asked us to do. See, I find myself sometimes, uh, you know, with my back up against the wall over some things with God. And I've I've gone to Him in prayer and I'm like, why Mm, you know, there's all this energy and there's this angst and there's, God, I want to see breakthrough. I want to see this. And, and, and I find myself just giving God, you know, that, that little moment of time, you know, your silence. Silence is very important with the Holy Spirit. And I'll hear the Holy Spirit say, I never called you to do that. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, see, but we put these uh, expectations on ourselves and we also put these expectations on others as to what they should be like. Um, I'm here to tell you, I'm just as human as you. I bleed red. I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. Praise God. I know the one who is perfect. But I praise God that He has given each one of us the grace to walk with each other. But you see, sometimes we need to take a fresh look at some of those things that we, we, we take on uh, uh, and we go beyond the limits that God has put for us and we step over that and we go, well, I want to be even holier than, than that. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm not calling. I'm calling you to trust in my righteousness. I'm calling you to trust in what I've done for you. My grace, he says, is sufficient. And see, sometimes we try to do things in our own strength rather than relying on his strength. I just believe God wants us to walk free. He wants us to be free. He wants us to see his limits as being good for us, the ones that he's placed upon us. You know, God's way in our lives is often slow and long. 
And, uh, you know, if you just read through the book of Exodus, you'll see that the transition out of bondage into freedom was a very drawn out process. And sometimes we want to be like that television commercial. We, we want instant results, you know, Tarnoff, you know, do you remember the Tarnoff ad? You know, with Tarnoff, you can clean a whole tablespoon of silver in just minutes. There's no rubbing or scrubbing. But the reality of the kingdom is it's, it's slow, it's, it's long, it's, it takes endurance, it takes stickability. You see, I believe that, that the discipleship and the work that God's after in our lives is a deep work, not a, not a surface work. And sometimes we can find ourselves being challenged on some ridiculous thing and all of a sudden we're like, yeah, I'm checking out of church, I'm done, I'm done. That person said this and they, they should have known better. I'm offended. I'm, I'm carrying that. Um, see you later. You know, God's after a deep, long work in our lives. God wants to go deep in your life and in my life. And it is a, a, it's a long walk with Him. It's not a short, quick fix. We come to know Jesus, our personal Lord and Savior. Sanctification is going to last a lifetime, I'm here to tell you. And uh, God's way is the right way. And God's way is a good way for us. So how do you interpret, what do you interpret on your life as God's calling? Uh, what are the perceived expectations you hold of what God requires of you? In learning to do you, how well do you embrace your God-given limits? So if we're not careful in exercising wisdom in these areas, we can become easily worn out and our expectations of ourselves and others may not be in keeping with God's. And I want I want us to be focused on what God's expectations are for us. What's God called you to do? What are the talents? What are the giftings God's put in your life? Then what are those areas that he's actually causing you, calling you to break through in? There's some things that we need to trust him for, and there's other things that we need to trust in him that he'll allow us to break through. You see, there's there's got to be this place where we can reconcile in our lives. And uh, I just want to share a, a thought uh, from Peter Scazzaro in his book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And uh, on page 95 of his book, he says, What limits do I need to receive and submit to joyfully as God's invitation to trust Him? And what limits is God asking me to break through by faith so that others might know Him or so that I might become the person He intends to be? See, God wants us to break through in areas, but He also wants us to just be able to relax in who He's called us to be. You're designed to be who you are. You're designed to walk within the limits of your personality, walk within the limits of your education, uh, your intellect, walk within the limits of whatever your family of origin was. Not to compare yourself with someone else that, that may be an extrovert when you're an introvert. Not, not to compare yourself with someone else that, that, that may be a bigger, you know, personality or carry more influence than the influence that God's called you to carry. Um, the true vocation of every human being is, as Kierkegaard said, the will to be oneself. And that's a quote out of uh, Peter Scazzaro's book. You know, one of the, the biggest things that we've got to reconcile within ourselves is just to be who God created us to be. Just to be true to who God's called us to be and to find rest, find refreshment in that. Not to be striving to try to be something that he's not called you to be, but just being refreshed in who God's called you to be. See, in Israel's history, um, 
there was so many uh, incidences of them, you know, not trusting God, then doing things their own way, and, and then trusting God and coming back to God. And I just wanted, I want us to touch on one person today, and that is Gideon. Uh, in the book of Judges, God raised up judges over his people, and uh, the call came to Gideon. And uh, Gideon's name actually means one who cuts down. And so Israel did evil, and as they often did, and uh, they were handed over to the Midianites for seven years. And so some of you may be aware of the story of Midian, but we're going to pick the story up in Judges 6, verse 11 to 16. And I'm just going to read this out of the message today. One day the angel of God came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah uh, that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress out of sight of the Midianites. The angel of God appeared to him and said, God is with you, O mighty warrior. Gideon replied, with me, my master? If God is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the miracle wonders our parents and grandparents told us about? Telling us, didn't God deliver us from Egypt? The fact is, God has nothing to do with us. He's turned us over to Midian. But God faced him directly. Go in this strength that is yours. Save Israel from Midian. Haven't I just sent you? Gideon said to him, Me, my master, how and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan's the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the runt of the litter. God said to him, I'll be with you. Believe me, you'll defeat Midian as one man. And if anyone knows the story of Midian, he goes on uh, under the stealth of night to cut down uh, the, the town Asherahapol and the, and the, uh, the, um, the, the uh, altar to Baal and uh, goes and kills his father's uh, second bull and, uh, and, and sacrifices it here. And, and, and everyone wakes up in the morning and there's this uproar. You know, what's, what's happened? What's, what's come over this place? You know, who did this thing? And it's, it's Gideon did this thing. And so everyone goes to his father, Joash, and they say, Joash, you've got to do something about your son Gideon. He says, hey, let Baal defend Baal. You know, and, and it's amazing how, how sometimes we can take things on that, that God's never asked us to take on. And, and uh, you know, we see this throughout society. We can take things on that God's not called us to take on. And, and Joash has these words of wisdom, and he says, just let Baal defend Baal. If Baal is God, he, he can defend himself. And, uh, you know, Gideon goes on to, to uh, defeat the Midianites in a, in a remarkable way, but not in man's strength. It was in God's strength. And so he started off with 32,000 men, and then God said, you know, if there's people here, that are afraid of the battle and don't want to be here, well, then they, they can go home. So 22, I think it was 22,000 checked out. Um, he's left with a third of what he started with. And so God's slowly just dwindling this, this mighty army down that he was going to lead in there. Till they get to another test where, where God asks him to allow these men to drink uh, some water and some kneel down and sip with their lips and others lap with their hand. And this lapping with the hand was the ones that were going to actually go and, and represent this army. 300 men. Way, way, way outnumbered uh, in terms of men versus men uh, in this battle. Yet God does a remarkable thing and delivers the Midianites uh, into Gideon's hand. And they go and pursue the Midianites. And there was just an amazing, amazing victory for them. But you know, um, God constantly presents us today with opportunities to trust Him 
within the confines of our own personal limits. I, I thank God that I cannot do everything that I set out to do. Because if I did, I wouldn't need God. I wouldn't need to rely on a saviour to, to help me understand how to break through in that area or to help me strategize in some way. I'd just have all the answers and I would have no dependency on God whatsoever. See, God creates us with limits and he wants us to rest in those things at times and trust him and come to him and lay our lives down you know we just finished watching the chosen thanks to uh, philippa for lending us the dvd set and uh you know one thing that's really apparent particularly in casting of of the chosen series is that the disciples were an absolute motley crew <laughs> you know they, they they came with with issues, they, they, they came with hang-ups and all different personalities and persuasions. If you, you take a look at Matthew, uh, anyone seen The Chosen? And Matthew's quite an interesting character. <laughs> it's, it's just real eye-opener that, that Jesus loves us all, wherever we're at. And he knows exactly, exactly who he has made us to be. And he wants us to be people that just trust him in that for the journey. Um, you know, for us, we might look at things, um, our, our personality, we might look at our season of life, we might look at our marriage or singleness, our intellectual capacity, limits on our time or our finances, and we can look at these things and, and, and sometimes we can put God in a box and say, well, God, um, this is who I am and, and that's just that. But I believe we need to be able to reconcile this uh, with God. And it comes to a point where we, we are comfortable being who God has created us to be, but we're also trusting Him for who He's called us to be. Amen? God wants us to be people that are aligned on Him, resting in Him, not striving, not straining, not trying to force things, but just going with what God wants for our lives. You know, John the Baptist was an amazing an example of this in the New Testament. Uh, you know, when Jesus' ministry started to increase uh, and, and John's disciples were coming to him and saying, you know, what's going on here? Like, like this guy's getting everybody now. We've got nobody. And he's like, sweet. That's why I came. And see, John was someone that just knew his lane and knew what he was called to do. There was no rivalry. There was no bitterness, but there was rejoicing. And can you honestly say that you joyfully embrace God's invitation over your life? Or do you spend your time attempting to convince him and others that he's picked the wrong person? <laughs> but can you honestly embrace God's invitation over your life? Can you honestly come to that place where it's like, God, I'm just going to trust in you. I, I, just, I just accept who you've created me to be within the limits and the boundaries that I have. And I'm comfortable with that. But God, I'm trusting you for those things that you have called me to beyond that. See, God has put you together. And we need to, we need to trust that he knows where all the pieces go in our lives. So whatever the future looks like, whatever God has called you to and put upon your life, I just believe today God wants you to rest within the limits that he's placed on you and then trust him for those areas of breakthrough. Amen. I'm going to pray. Father, I just want to thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord God, that you're a God that just loves us and knows us so intimately. Lord, you desire the very best for us. And Lord, I just pray, Lord God, that as we're in this, in this place, Lord, that Father, we'd be able to find, Lord God, uh, Lord, your call, Father, upon each one of us. Lord, that we'd be able to embrace the limits, Lord God, that you've placed on us and, and, and be comfortable with that. But Lord, also, Father, we'd trust in you and, Father, we'd, we'd look to you for those areas of breakthrough, Lord God, that each one of us are believing for. And so, Father, I just come right now and, Father, I just pray, Lord God, that, Father, you'd move, Father, by your Spirit. 
Lord, that you'd cause each one of us, Father, just to have fresh eyes at what it is, Father, you've called us to. Father, we, we desire, Lord God, just to shake off those bands and those, those areas of our life, Lord God, of, of things that you've not called us to carry, not called us to take upon. And Lord, I just pray that you help us, Lord God, just to be the people of God that you've called us to be. In your mighty name, Jesus.